Please take a seat. Sandra read to us before about the Church of Colossians. I love the book of Colossians. And the Colossian church, like most of the other early churches that the epistles were written to, was coming under attack. They were being persecuted by Rome. Christians were being hunted down and put to death or imprisoned. They were fearful about meeting. And as the time of writing this, a number of the apostles, so the first 12, the first disciples, had already been martyred. So things were very real for the Colossian church. And in response to this attack, in response to the insecurity, they pressed into God. Because that's what we do, isn't it? When we're attacked, when we're unsure, when we're in a difficult situation, we press into God. We move toward God. We lean into God. When your employment status is a bit shaky, when we get a bad health report, when the marriage is under stress, when the kids are struggling, when we endure the loss of a loved one, when the rent goes up and the housing market is soaring out of reach, we seek after God. God, fix the situation, we pray. It's a decent prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe, maybe there's a better prayer, a more powerful prayer that we could pray that comes in the form of something like, God, give me your perspective on things. Give me your perspective. How are you looking at this that I might need to look at this? I love watching TV. Is there anyone else that loves watching TV? Loves a good TV show? Ah, the rest of you readers, you love books. I love books too, but I love TV shows. And what's always fascinated me about television shows, and it's the same in a good book, is you have um, different layers of story, different layers of perspective. So you have an episode, and in that episode of 40 minutes, the characters are trying to achieve something. There is something immediate that's happened. So let's say the, the, the good guys, as Hamish would say, are chasing the bad guys, trying to capture the bad guys in the form of an episode, one episode. But if you look to the season, you realize that there's more happening. It's not just this, but there's all sorts of other lines that you follow the characters through. And if it's a good police drama, one of them is corrupt or on the edge of being corrupt. One's the hero, one's the resource person that's helped out. And you see over the course of a season, the story is bigger than just the episode. It's bigger than that. And it might be that the bad guys are trying to work out how to defeat the good guys and rule the world. But then you have another perspective to that. You have the whole television series. That if someone was saying, have you seen this TV program? You would say, because it's about. And you might not just say it's about the good guys trying to get the bad guys. And you might not just say, oh, it's about the baddies trying to overthrow the goodies for world domination. You might say... It's about this, this police officer who is just struggling to know what's right and wrong. So you have different layers of the story. Now here's what's interesting. You and I are caught in the episode layers. We just, in our lives, we just get to see what happens next. And what is happening? Sometimes we get a glimpse of the bigger picture. We get the season preview and we get to go, oh, this is how my episode that I'm going through fits in what's going on. But the screenwriter, the author, 
He knows everything. He stands back and he looks at the entire thing. He says, I know that's happening in this episode, but that's because it builds into what happens in this season. And that's because it builds into what happens in the whole television show. And so for the sake of this morning, if we're caught in the episode of what happens next, God is the screenwriter. God says, now I've got the whole perspective. I've got everything. Now, think about your favorite TV program. You're loving it. This is great. And, and you get the opportunity to sit down with the screenwriter and ask some questions. Why did the character do this? Why was there that clue lost? Why are the baddies so bad? Why didn't the goody do what we wanted them to do? And you would ask the screenwriter, the author, a whole bunch of questions that if the author or the screenwriter was willing, he would give you more and more of a perspective of what's happening because you know the screenwriter, because you know the author. When you know the author of life, the decisions you have to make and how you have to make them change. They become empowered. They become easier. They become more straightforward. You see, God knows every level of our story. He knows the episode. He knows the season. He knows the whole show and where he wants it to head, where he's pitching for it to head. The whole point of our lives, each of our lives, and our life collectively, God knows. He knows the backstory. He knows the front story. He knows all the intricacies of every character. And if we are able to gain God's perspective on our lives, then making hard decisions really well and understanding why we're going through what we're going through and hoping for a better future, those things become possible because we know the story writer. That's what the church in Coloss is being told in this chapter. Verse 9 says, God will fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Let me explain that in a couple of sentences. God will fill you with knowledge. That knowledge is about how his will works. That will comes to you through wisdom and understanding because of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit brings to you. Now, I experienced this a long, long time ago. When I was about 20, a group of friends and I decided that we wanted to get together every week and pray. And so we got together in the church and we would pray, we would read the scriptures and we would have questions about the Bible. What does this mean? And we would go away and research and we'd come back. And then we'd be praying for the church, be praying for our friends who didn't know Christ, be praying for different people in our world who were really struggling. We weren't told to do it. It wasn't a small group ministry. There was nothing like that. We just had a, a sense of drawing from God, a wooing from God to come together and to push into God, to lean on God, to get to know God better. And out of the practice of that, it created such an incredible foundation in my life that I've enjoyed the pleasure of God ever since that season. And I'm intentional when I say the pleasure 
of God. You see, when I look out at my life, I don't have a ton of doubts. I have regrets of things that didn't go very well, that I've given to God, but I don't doubt that I'm ever on my own. I'm able to make decisions, and I know which decisions have kind of God's stamp of approval and which ones have more of Ralph's stamp of approval. I still make some of those decisions, but I know. Fear only plays a very small role in my life from time to time. I don't live under fear. I don't have a sense of fear. I understand it, but I don't have it. God has given me the ability, through His grace, through His love, by His Spirit, out of His goodness, to plug me into His will. And as it unfolds on a daily basis, but also as it unfolds throughout my life, and people will say to me from time to time, I haven't had it just recently, but people will say, how long do you think you'll stay at that church that I'm ministering at? And I say with utter confidence, I'm like, as, as long as God wants me. When God wants me somewhere else, <laughs> let's go, whatever. If God wants me to stay here forever, great, whatever. God's, God's got that. That's for God to worry about. I just need to be faithful in the day to day. I enjoy God. I love God. I find great pleasure in God. In his presence. You see, another way of understanding God's will is to talk about God's pleasure. If we replace that word God's will with God's pleasure, it opens up things for us. What is God's pleasure for your life? What is God's pleasure for your life? One Colossians 1 9, changing that word will with pleasure. God will find you with knowledge of his pleasure through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. God wants to give you a deep knowing in your bones of his pleasure, to the core of who you are, to say, I know the pleasure of God. God wants to cultivate in us a growing desire and appetite for the pleasure of God. Because God's pleasure means our fulfillment. It's wonderful. The more pleasure we can bring to God, the more we will feel fulfilled in this life. Not the easier life will be, but we don't want an easy life. We actually want a fulfilled, thriving life. See, the best way to approach difficult decisions is by stepping as close to God as we can get, by leaning on God, by trusting in God, by enjoying God's pleasure. That's how we make really difficult decisions decisions because when you're that close to God you will love it your perspective shifts you get taken from this perspective to this perspective to ah I see what God's trying to do and because I see what God's trying to do I can handle this because I see what God is trying to do I can survive in this because I see what God is trying to do there's a tomorrow to hope in, or to hope for God, to hope, put my hope in God for. God's will is God's pleasure. And God's pleasure means your fulfillment. And the Bible has a word for this. You ready? It's going to blow your mind. The word is worship. <laughs> we already know the word. That's what we're talking about here. The pleasure of God is actually worship. God's pleasure, God's greatest pleasure is to link us into his will for our lives. 
God doesn't want to hide like we're playing poker with God. I don't play poker. But playing poker with God, there's nothing wrong with poker. I would digress. But God doesn't want to hold the cards and we're like, we're trying to guess what will God has for our lives. God, just show us your hand. Just put it like, I don't want to gamble more. I don't know. Just show us your hand. God doesn't hold his will like that. It is God's pleasure. God says, I want to show you. But the problem is we remain here in the episode rather than saying, God, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know the bigger seasons of my life. I want to get to know the whole picture you have for my life. And when we're there, God's like, look at this from my perspective. This is what I want to show you. It brings God such pleasure that he would be so close to us to be able to reveal to us what is happening. So when you have decisions, you have to make big decisions, serious decisions about the car or the house or your superannuation or the job or your family or health or finances or relationships. When you have those big, big ticket decisions to make, it's about what God will reveal to you when you know him. Lean into God and he shows you a bigger picture. It's about enjoying the pleasure of God, not enduring the trauma of some of those decisions. And the outcome is that we know his will. We know his pleasure. And when you hear the will of God from God, when you hear the perspective of God from God, there is an overwhelming sense of peace that comes with that. A sense of confidence and security that ah, what is taking place here isn't the end story. God still has more. If you take seriously this offer that God says, draw close to me and I will reveal my will to you. If we take seriously what God says in Colossians to really know him, to really find pleasure in him, then there's a staggered reward system. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this happening, but it does happen. Somebody buys a house with a paperclip. Have you ever heard of that? You're, 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 sus you're suspicious, aren't you? I was too. So the idea is that they take their paperclip and they take it to someone and say, can I swap you this paperclip for a pen? The person goes, ah, yeah, sure. Gives them a pen. Now they take the pen to somebody and say, can I swap the pen for a book? And someone says, ah, oh, yeah, sure. And they take the book and they say, can I have your jet ski? And they go, no, it doesn't quite happen that quickly. But it gradually builds up as they swap with a tiny incremental boosts until one day they're owning a house from a paperclip. There's tons of experiences of it happening. That's kind of what's happening here. When, when we, um, we move on from verse 9, if you seek God to fulfill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, if we find pleasure in knowing God, a bunch of amazing things will happen. And you have to strap down because we're about to read the longest sentence of Scripture. It goes on and on and on. And in English, sometimes in some versions, they were kind to punctuate it. But in Greek, uh -uh, just keeps going. So I'm going to share a little bit of the sentence and explain what that means. And then a little bit. But think, this is how God is building his kingdom in our lives. It says, it says basically, you can find pleasure in knowing God so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Finally, your life is worthy. Simply by knowing God, your life is worthy. It has nothing to do with what you do. It's by knowing God, your life 
is worthy and please him in every way. So pleasing God isn't about doing anything, it's about knowing God. Bearing fruit in every good work. So if you do this, your life will naturally bear fruit like a tree that is healthy bears good fruit. Your life will just gradually bear good fruit. You don't have to practice being patient. Patience will come. Growing in the knowledge of God. You get to grow in what you know of God. It's not a stagnant position you take up with God. I am saved. God is there. We're done. We grow in our understanding and knowledge of who God is. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. You will be strengthened in, that, in here with God's might, with God's power, with God's goodness, with God's love. You'll grow stronger in God just by knowing God. But it's not finished. So that you may have great endurance and patience. We would say resilience in this day and age. We would say resilience. Have you ever wanted to be more tougher inwardly? Like externally really soft to others, but internally tougher? Like can handle more? I wish I could handle more. That's what increases in us the more we get to know God. And giving joyful thanks to the Father. I told you it was a long sentence. And giving joyful thanks to the Father, your heart will be so full of God, it will bubble over in thanks. You will be just be so grateful. Who has qualified you? You are qualified by who you know, not what you know. That's amazing good news, isn't it? So all of a sudden, it doesn't matter all the things you can do. It matters who you know, and that is Jesus to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Ah, and wow, that's where it leads? To share in the inheritance. All that God owns becomes everything that we own. All that God has becomes ours, everything of his kingdom. Wow. It's like this trail of cookie crumbs to an incredible factory of treats. A little bit like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Who's, um, who's ever read Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl? Oh, come on, it's not just three of us, is it? Oh, you guys are missing out. Homework for this week, read Willy Wonka. Wow, and I'll tell you why, because if I tell you this, you'll read it with different eyes. The other day, Zari, Zari and I, at night time, we sit down and we read a book. And so Willy Wonka was, was the book to read, and so we've been reading this. And it's about a man who owns an incredible chocolate factory, an incredible, incredible factory of treats beyond your wildest dreams. And everybody knows about the factory and everybody knows that what happens in the factory is unbelievable, incredible, that there are treats that the human mind is yet to think of that have been created by Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. But the only way to get inside the chocolate factory is with a personal invitation from Willy Wonka himself. Otherwise, you just get to eat and partake in some of the goods that come from that. You get to look at the factory and go, wow, I wonder what it's like in there. But the only way you can partake in the treats of the factory and see how glorious the factory is, is by personal invitation from Mr. Wonka himself. And so Charlie gets to be invited into the factory. He wins a golden ticket. That bit isn't gospel. That's not 
what we're talking about. You don't, there's no golden ticket you win. There's a personal invitation from Willy Wonka that goes to Charlie and he accepts. And he goes into this, this kingdom. He goes into this chocolate factory only by knowing Mr. Wonka and being personally invited by Mr. Wonka. And in there, he sees things that defy the human imagination. He sees grass that you can eat that tastes like mint. He sees a chocolate river that seems to flow forever that you can drink from. There are everlasting gobstoppers that can never be exhausted. There is chewing gum that's the flavors of a meal as you eat it. Who's salivating right now? Morning tea? Is it morning tea? Hey, there's there's um, fizzy lifting drinks that you drink these drinks and they lift you off the ground. There's lickable wallpaper. I wouldn't recommend licking where somebody else has licked, but there's lickable wallpaper. This is what the Bible is talking about when it talks through this to Colossians. It's this list of, of wow that says, until you experience it for yourself, you'll be intrigued. You'll be impressed, but you won't be transformed. Until it's yours, you experience it for yourself, you cannot be transformed. You can hear the rumors, you can hear how grand and wonderful and incredible it is, but until you've tasted for yourself, you will never truly know. But you've been personally invited by the king to walk side by side through all the wonders of his kingdom. It's amazing. So there's four other children. There's Charlie and there's four other kids who go in to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, all invited. And all four of the others get completely sidetracked from being at Willy Wonka's side. One falls into the chocolate river. Another is taken away by very weird and strange squirrels. One's turned purple and inflates. The other is shrunk onto a TV screen because they stepped away from Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka said, no, no, stay with me. It's safe over here. And they strayed. They forgot that they were with Willy Wonka. They valued his factory more than they valued who he was and his presence. And they were spat out. Because it's impossible to enjoy the factory without Willy Wonka by your side. The factory was never designed to be enjoyed without the factory maker. Christianity was never designed to be enjoyed without the king. We cannot enjoy the things of the kingdom without walking with the king. Without walking hand in hand with Jesus, Christianity is brutal. It is brutal. It doesn't make sense. There's too many rules. There's too many potholes and ways to trip up. It's too demanding. It's too life-sucking. It's interest, interesting. It's intriguing. It's impressive, yes. But without Jesus, it cannot be transformational. It's actually the very thing Jesus rebelled against when he was um, living his human life. He, he said to those who were trying to live a religious life apart from God, he says to them, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. God's kingdom 
without Jesus is religion. And religion will finish you. Trying to live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit giving us wisdom and understanding to be filled with knowledge of God's will and pleasure for us. That's the sure way to end up hating the church and resenting God. But the pleasure of God is what you are personally invited into. Each of you personally invited into the pleasure of God. Something that can be attained and known and experienced and enjoyed and be truly transformative. And people who are transformed by knowing God, they make way better decisions. Their life takes a completely different path to wholeness and health. Because they can be swept into knowing God. And it's only by enjoying that relationship that we can continue to enjoy the pleasure of God. You cannot experience the pleasure and joy of God outside of a relationship with God. That's why we've got our Bible reading plan. I'm stoked to hear so many of you are reading and getting involved with. I I know many of you do. uh, You read the Bible every day. Let me encourage you to keep doing that until your last breath. Spend as much time as you can in the Word of God because when you read those scriptures, you are meeting with Jesus. Jesus was called the Word. Do that as much as you can. It's why last week we had a a weekly challenge as as a gift to maybe help you. This week there's another challenge to write a four or five step plan that helps you work out why you are spiritually stagnant. Now, you may not be spiritually stagnant. Don't worry about the challenge. (laughs) Keep pushing into God. But if you are, if you're like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck like at the episode level or the season level. I'm just stuck. Well, work out why you're stuck. God, why am I stuck? Why am I in a rut? Why am I in a holding pattern? Show me. And then once you have that, just come to God and say, God, I need your help. I need you to get rid of this, to dethrone it, to disempower it. You see what happens? The closer you draw to God, the different perspective you have on everything. So during Lent, we've been asking a question of every sermon, and I'd encourage you to ask this every day. From hearing this, from what God has said to you this morning, what do you need to put down now? What is not yours to hold, you need to put down. doesn't belong to you. God wants it back or God does not want it in your hands. What do you need to put down today? And what do you need to pick up? What do you need to pick up from what God has been speaking to you this morning and carry forward into this week? So I'd like to just have a, a moment or two of prayer and invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. To help us to see what we need to put down and what we need to pick up. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you and we welcome you here in our midst. Minister to us. Right now we pray. Speak to us, Lord.
Come closer, Lord. Meet us where we're at. Be with us. Those who right now are feeling, I'm not worthy of it. You are because of what Jesus has done. And so give in to his grace. Give in to his forgiveness. Those of you that are frustrated because God seems so far away, just wait. Wait with an open posture for God to meet you. Wait faithfully. Wait with an open heart. Holy Spirit, come. Those of you who are feeling that life is too much, accept Jesus' yoke, accept his burden. It is lighter than the one you are carrying. Holy Spirit, we love you. You mean so much to us. We are so thankful for all that you give so freely, so unbelievably. And Lord, live within us this week. Live out through us. Guide us. Challenge us. And as we cling to you, as we walk beside you, give us a greater perspective, not just of our lives, but of others, that we might speak your hope, your truth, your encouragement and your power into the lives of those who may not realize yet of your great love for them. Lord, we are your servants and we ask that you would send us from here. We ask this in your almighty and most glorious name. Amen.